Outlaws Outpost. Welcome, 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 heroes, to the Outlaws Outpost, your unofficial guide to the best Overwatch League team, brought to you by the Good Night and Good Game podcast and the official Outlaw supporter group, the Lone Star Vanguard. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is Joe, a.k.a. Nubatron. Howdy. And Jake, a.k.a. Tuna. Hello. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Robbie Landis, host of Checkpoint XP and Other Identity. He's worked in and around esports for years and has a rich background in geek culture, from gaming to comics, and even has a passion for being a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. Robbie, welcome to the show. For having me. So, Robbie, usually when I start doing my research for these interviews, I only know the subjects in a passing way. Usually I've seen their work online or I've interacted with them in like small ways, like uh, at conventions or Twitter. You're a special case. So why don't we start by letting everybody know how we've apparently known one another for years and had no idea. <laughs> yeah, so uh, really everything for me started with Final Fantasy XI uh, back in college and the first MMO that I ever played. Uh, that led to the friendships and the connections that I made that would get me into podcasting. Uh, that led to Limit Break Radio, the first podcast and the second podcast that I was part of which led into a gaming podcast called Finer Encounter Cast, which eventually morphed into Checkpoint Radio and then Checkpoint XP. And uh, Final Fantasy XI was where you and I were part of the same link show. A, yeah. a, a guild, essentially, for those. Yeah, we were played. in an endgame group. Mm -hmm. It was a very weird concept to kind of set the stage for you. Uh, you and I were both covering packs, I believe. Um, for completely separate things. Uh, I was working for the LSV. You were doing a bunch of stuff there for Checkpoint XP. Um, at some point towards the end of the convention, you came up to me because you had seen my my name on the back of my shirt. And you, you were like, did you ever play Final Fantasy XI? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> that's but a yeah. weird thing to ask. <laughs> yeah. We're a very, very but, small niche group of people. <laughs> we are, we were, we had a, we had a problem with hating each ourselves, you know, uh, every time you heard that level down noise. Um, but yeah, it, you came up to me and I was like, yeah. And you're like, you were, you an open door? And I was like, yeah, I was. And, and all of a sudden the pieces started to hit with each other. And it was so weird that like I had been around you all weekend and like, we had spent years doing end game Final Fantasy content together. And just like, there we were just through the magic of getting into esports and wanting to, to work in and around that community. It was, it was a really cool feeling. I was, I was maybe a little too excited, uh, but it was just great to see somebody that I, I had met since my time leaving Houston and moving to Austin, I'd met very few people that played Final Fantasy 11, let alone be part of the community that I was a part of. So it was, it was kind of magical in a way. Yeah, there, there's way more people out there than you would think. Uh, Ninja, for example, of Fortnite fame, uh, mm. played Final Fantasy 11. Really? I did, I, I did not know that. Yeah, so he's not what I'd like to count amongst our ranks, but unfortunately, he's there. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, your earlier podcasts. You uh, had specifically mentioned Limit Break Radio, and that was kind of my first awareness into internet radio before the term podcast was even coined at that point. Yep. Yeah, it was it was still very early on. I don't think many people had coined that term at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just called internet radio. And here's my internet radio station. You would go on and hear it. And like, uh, honestly, everybody that I knew in both the Guardians of Balance link shell and in Open Door, a lot of them listened to you. Uh, yeah, a lot of people listened to Limit Break Radio back in the day. You know, it was before, you know, things like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, mm -hmm. iTunes even, or, or Spotify. Uh, I mean, back then we even had to have our own website in order for people to find it. And 
Uh, yeah, had if, if we could get the download numbers like we used to have back then before people, you know, before every brother and his mother was doing a podcast mm-hmm. on something or other. Every comedian. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we'd be in a very different I'm, place today. <laughs> I, I'm not bitter at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that kind of that kind of leads me into my next question, though. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your shows, because for a lot of people, Checkpoint XP is kind of just known as a great podcast for esports content. But in reality, it's it's so much more. Like it's under the banner of Beasley Media, and Checkpoint XP is actually broadcast in several cities in the U.S. So can you tell us a little bit about the origin of Checkpoint XP, and then go into what it was like to take on a syndicated show like that? Yeah, so uh, again, you know, I, I started with podcasts uh, back in, it must have been like, what was it, like 2006, 2007 with Limit Break Radio. And, you know, the same group of friends basically just doing a bunch of different podcasts over the years. And eventually that afforded us the uh, opportunity to put a, uh, a demo, a real show of what uh, not just a Final Fantasy podcast would look like, but what a, pod, or what a show dedicated to esports and gaming might sound like on the radio in the same way that you hear sports talk radio and uh eventually we did get uh you know put in front of uh beasley um who liked what they heard and they had you know brought all of us on at that point and uh well at the time it had only been a show uh beasley has definitely been pushing to turn us into more of a brand you know when we look at checkpoint xp uh we look at it as a you know gaming lifestyle brand and really that nowadays gaming itself has a lot of crossover with you know geek and nerd culture all its own so i mean you know we have the checkpoint xp on demand show which you can get a podcast of which is actually just the two hour radio show that we put out uh twice a week um 40 plus stations across the u.s uh at this point uh we have an entire uh collegiate side of that in checkpoint on campus Uh, i do the other identity with uh ben morris who is a marvel alumni and uh gosh what else do we have uh, and some of the other guys do a daily podcast as well on top of all the stuff that we put out at CheckpointXP.com as far as, you know, opinion pieces go and, and news pieces and stuff like that. We we try to uh, avoid just being like a straight news source because, you know, as small as our group is, we're not going to be able to compete with the dot esports or the Kotakus right, of the world. Right. So, you know, we look back to that idea that we are a gaming lifestyle brand and try to put our own spin on it. So if you want just the hard facts, sure, go to Kotaku or dot esports dextero you know wherever it is but uh if you're looking you know to get you know uh, a personalized take on it you know to agree or disagree with someone sure check one xp is the place to go hey and you know i completely love that that's the direction that you want to go into somebody who actually does do a purely fact based new geek news podcast um when i go to listen to other podcasts i like to reach out to things that are not what i do um, we, we make it a point at Good Night and Good Game that we want to have a very fact-based show and that we want to just discuss the fact. No rumors and speculation. Let's just talk about what's actually going on in the industry. Um, but when I'm in my car, I don't want to hear that, right? That's that's what I do is my passion, and I love doing it. But I want somebody that I can like feel like I'm going to be bantering off of and, and having a good time with. Yeah, and, I, and I, you know, um, especially with, with, with it's, it, I mean, it's um, a show of, of, of passion about what, you're, you know, what we really care about, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like... I rarely read Kotaku articles unless it's, you know, you mentioned like it's like a, a news about a, you know, an upcoming game or there's, you know, they have their sources or whatever. But mm-hmm. whenever, whenever it comes down to just talking about something that you care about, like a game that just came out and, you know, it's, I feel like the, the, those heavy handed, uh, like opinionated things about like from Kotaku don't really kind of hit home the way that, a, you know, a, a show like, you know, like, like a Checkpoint XP does, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I you know, and I, it, especially us here at the LSV, we appreciate you know, kind of how you mentioned it being a, a, a gaming lifestyle brand, right? 
uh, we ourselves are trying to kind of put that together in the LSV regarding you know like kind of like Texas culture and gaming, right? They're they're so different. You think Texas people expecting big trucks, cowboys, and the outdoors, but there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of people you know in the urban in the big metropolitan cities, right? Uh, that is like you know everyone that likes likes gaming, right? So we try to do our best to get our folks that we meet at these watch parties, and we're like, hey, you know what? Like, there's more to gaming. Let's go float the river. Let's go have some tacos on Tuesday. Let's go. Uh, let's kind of, let's get out there, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love those two similarities between our uh, between our two little groups. So, as somebody who's based out of Michigan and is a huge Outlaws fan, I'm actually kind of curious about what it is about our scrappy team from Texas that kind of draws you to to them. Uh, well, I was an Outlaws fan as soon as the branding was announced. You know, <laughs> uh, me and a bunch of my other friends at the time were sitting around watching them. You know, slowly come out week after week after week. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's the first thing that that sells you on a team when you uh, unfortunately don't have one based in your hometown. I'm sure if I had a Detroit team, uh, they'd be my first go to. <laughs> um, but the colors are great. The you know branding was great. And then on top of that, at the time, um, the Houston Outlaws were the most you know Western team. I think you know when when you have what you consider to be a home team, obviously you know all throughout the entire league. You know there is a lot of uh, you know Korean and Asian influence in there. Uh, as well but you know knowing that we had sort of like you know some hometown boys essentially uh you know with you know jake muma uh you know cool matt at the time you know is one of the things that really drew me in and at the time i also you know watched a lot of the uh ancillary content they were putting out and you know just uh, personality wise you know they were very good role models it was the type of people uh that you want to see you know the younger generation being able to rally behind and it's been really nice too even over these past seasons as new blood has came in and more has moved out that we still have some of the core rosters there cool matt's you know working uh you know behind the scenes now as a general manager jake's came back on the squad as well uh so yeah i don't know there's just um on top of the fact that there's always that sort of uh you know can they make it type thing you know it's it's one thing to be a fan of like you know the 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 shock right where you're used to basically always being winners you know it's nice to know that you've stayed beside your team through thick and thin up to the point where they finally managed to you know uh reach the top with uh you know some of the other champions that are up there yeah i mean family and a sense of community is what we tend to say about the outlaws and i know that's easy for us to say as the lsv because we are a community based around you know, they got their start based around the Outlaws, but our, that extends to so much more because I've seen the Outlaws family on Twitter, people that I've never spoken with that are not part of the LSV, and they just are very passionate about the team. They feel like it's a it's a family almost for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember, you know, how to, to hit on what you mentioned earlier, man, season one, I mean, the Outlaws, they were just the cool kids, man. I mean, you also had Rockets out there, right? Like, yep. they had mm-hmm. their, they had like this swagger about them. Uh, and obviously, some of them had also played for the U.S. World Cup team uh, for the Overwatch World Cup, and so you know, they, they, I mean, they just came out and they had a spectacular season one. Uh, well, they had one. a good start to season they one. Stage, one. stage <laughs> one, stage one, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, they, they were, they were, yeah. That's, but it, absolutely, it's, 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 we're glad to see them kind of finally hit the stride. I'm so glad that you brought up the Detroit point because um, I was born and raised in Houston, but my entire family is actually from a village in Michigan, a very tiny village near Jackson in in Michigan. And um, one of the things that I love to do when I go up to Michigan to visit my family is uh, we we always go to Red Wings games. It's the the one sport that I could actively watch live for like more than five minutes and not be bored by it. 
So uh, it was one of those things that I remember when the initial uh, Overwatch League teams were announced. I was like, man, I hope the Motor City gets a team someday because like that would just be amazing. There's always been a lineage of great Detroit teams. I mean, they're not doing as great right now, but they've had their moments. <laughs> some of them, sure, some I of them. Had their moments. Um, I remember growing up as I'm a little bit older, I remember the Lions being really good when I was younger. I remember the Tigers being really good when I was I, younger. I don't, I don't know if they'll, I mean, besides having Barry Sanders, I don't think that the Lions have ever been good as a team. <laughs> I think a lot of people consider that like the height well, of where the Lions were at their best. I, th I think that's a little unfair because I mean, I think the Lions have been pretty decent with Matt Stafford. I mean, I know he's left, he left the team now. Uh, but I mean, I mean, as a Packers fan, I don't know if you guys. Robbie and I are like, get off the panel. As a Packers fan, I, I, I actually grew that. up. I actually grew up as a as a Green Bay fan. My dad oh, was cool. a Lions fan, so it's a little bit of like you know father son rivalry going there. But uh, nice. yeah, if, if, if you're gonna talk about good D Detroit teams. To leave the Lions out of it and just focus on when the Red Wings were good or something. Yeah, well, they, they have. I, I'm a huge Red Wings fan, and while I don't follow the sport, every time I get up to Michigan, I always try to at least make one game. But yeah, like I was saying, I, would, I think a Motor City like Overwatch team. If Blizzard is listening someday, please, like, absolutely give that to them. Detroit needs another good team. Like, I, I honestly, I wish that they would expand more. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, you know we we have what between the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League. Those are the only two uh esports that really you know subscribe to the you know regionalizations of the teams and um uh i guess you know depending on who you ask you know the 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 league may or may not be in you know a, a good place to support more and more teams but personally you know fuck it give it to everybody you know give more I, cities more teams yeah. i think that if you had asked me last year and a lot of overwatch league players last year when it felt like the league was starting to stagnate a little bit, it would have been like, well, yeah, it would make no sense to. But this year has been just amazing. Like, I, I find myself actively wanting to watch every single game because they're just like, maybe it's the fresh staff, maybe it's the fresh players. But well, and, and obviously, you know, for that, what it comes down to is organizations want to be able to make money. And I have no idea what the financials behind the scenes for Overwatch League looks like for all of those organizations but if we could eventually get to a point where more city you know we could have more cities and more teams i think that everyone is better for it yeah, my my take the buy -in, maybe yeah tuna give us my, your hot take tuna hey everybody my take on this is that i think there are like some teams that could rebrand to new cities uh valiant is probably one um nobody that's... wants a valiant after what happened this past <laughs> season <sighs> Well, I mean, if you but if you uh, rebrand them and get new players, the Valiant uh, was so, that not the problem though. <laughs> that is that is true. The Valiant did help the Outlaws out a lot when we didn't have an owner though. They did mm. help us out. Um, this year has been rough for the Valiant, but I think like if they rebranded because you have two teams in LA and everyone's starting to go to the Gladiators now. Mm. If you rebranded the the Valiant. Like a lot of people do want a Midwest team. Chicago. I see it all the time. How does that not have it? How Chicago I, have it? I think that's a good idea. Adding teams at this point, probably not the best because there's a lot of teams. Like I feel a little overwhelmed. I think rebranding would be a really smart idea for Yeah, but the teams. other thing you have to you have to keep in mind is that, you know, when it comes to sports, you're, you're uh, Overwatch diehards are different because we feel like we have to watch everything. True. That's not how sports were conceived. Like, you know, look at the mm -hmm. NFL, look at the MLB. They have way more teams than any you know formalized esports league does especially if you look at league of legends too like you have your north america you have your european you have your korean you know your chinese lpl you know you're not supposed to have to watch everybody if we had enough teams spread around just focus on the teams you know at home 
You, um, you, maybe you've watched the day of sports. Right, you watch um, your that, favorite team yeah, and just kind of keep up passively on everyone else. Yeah, yeah. But Ravi, I watch every game. How could well, you do this to me? Well, you know what? You're, you're doing that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you bring up a, a good point because we've talked about this earlier. Like scheduling is a problem. Like I want to catch the games on ter- on Thursdays and Fridays, but I'm at work. You know, like it's it's. I have to. I'm, okay, look. Hopefully my boss never sees this, but I I don't think she ever will. I mean, I've had to say I'm sorry. I got a meeting. For the opening weekend, I had to tell them I, I had a, I had an hour long meeting, uh, and I locked myself in the office, and I didn't let anyone come in. I did tell, so I couldn't get the grand finals season two off work, so I straight up just told them, "Hey, I'm going to be in Philadelphia this weekend, guys. Like, I'm not coming in." So y'all, if you y'all s- need cooler bosses because, like, I straight, wanna- <laughs> I straight up tell my boss, "Like, hey, I'm doing something for the LSV," and they're like, "Oh yeah, you got time off." You work cool. in IT; it's different. <laughs> So, all right, let's let's get away from Overwatch for a second, get to some fun stuff. Um, you want Overwatch said, League is fun stuff. It is absolutely fun stuff, and that is what we're here for. I'm but I'm also here to I'm get some kidding. of the, the, the fun deets out of Robbie. Uh, you once said that after the comic runs of Empire and X of Swords, that magic might be one of your favorite mutants. By the way, me too. Uh, New Mutants is underrated, in my opinion. Um, the movie. If you were given a chance to pick any five mutants to put on an X-Men team, who would they be and why? Oh, hmm, that's a bad question, uh, <laughs> but I'll answer it anyway. Um, let's see. Uh, prior to this run, yeah, Magic was never one that really hit on my radar, but the way that she's been written recently in uh, the X-Men run has been really, really cool. Uh, I think what I would do is I would take Gambit and Rogue from uh, Kelly Thompson's Mr. and Mrs. X, okay. uh, put them as sort of the not necessarily de facto leaders, but I think that, you know, with them being married recently, if you get a few of the younger mutants to put underneath them as a team, it could have a really sort of, you know, nice sort of dysfunctional family dynamic. So Rogue Gambit, throw magic in there as the sort of, um, you know, more responsible-ish adult figure to the other two. Uh, Cypher, I think it has has been a really, really cool character too, uh, also from X of Swords. And then, uh, not that I know much about what she's doing right now, but apparently she has a dragon that is her son. So let's put Jubilee in there too. Okay, Jubilee has such a weird arc because she was like, just like fireworks girl. Then she was vampire fireworks girl. And then she was like, did all these really weird things. Well, see, people think of her as fireworks girl, but from the ultimate timeline, they explain that what her powers really is, it's not just making fireworks. She's essentially just combusting uh, atoms and you know if she were to push her powers to the extreme that she technically has the ability to cause uh, nuclear explosions as well so wow well, I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because there's a lot of characters that I only like when a writer cares about them uh, so let's say for example you mentioned Gambit right uh, through a, the course of my life I've really hated Gambit a lot I've always um, loved but, Gambit. He's but, so but cool. But that is because he is so often written as a caricature and not like, nobody really dives too deep in him. So when you think about him in like the X-Men animated series, he's kind of a, a one trick pony kind of person. But when you get a story, and I can't remember which which line it was, if it was late 90s, early 2000s, where he like goes back to New Orleans and he's around the Thieves Guild and you get to dive into him as a personality, then I get to appreciate him because you're not just writing, this is what I think a cliche Cajun is. And you know- You, you need to read Mr. and Mrs. X by Kelly Thompson then anything okay. she touches turns to gold. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think those are all solid picks. Um, and, and I like that you like some underdogs. Uh, for me, uh, I'm a big fan of Havoc. 
Um, I think that when he is away from Cyclops, he is given the chance to shine. There was a really good run where they did uh, Havoc and the Star Jammers, and him being in a leadership role was really cool. Um, but he's normally just kind of written as the younger brother. And so that's kind of just what you have to kind of put up with with him. Uh, much in the same way that you were saying, like you would see, like you would like to have a uh, Rogue and Gambit like leading the X-Men. I could see like a Havoc and Polaris leading the X-Men. Um, and then bringing in some of the younger people, maybe bringing somebody like Magic, uh, maybe Angel, just because I, I really loved him growing up and like Nightcrawler. So, can I just pick the ones from the X Men arcade game? I you can. That, that's <laughs> Coloss- every... I'll go with Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Storm. Those Congratulations! Are my you have ninety percent of X Men comics out there for <laughs> you that are exactly that team. <laughs> So between Other Identity uh, and Checkpoint XP and streaming and what feels like an almost endless amounts of other projects and content, how do you balance your hobbies that you personally enjoy versus the ones that you have to tackle for work? Uh, well, the secret to that is, is you need to get people to pay you for doing your <laughs> hobbies as work. Uh, there is very little that I do that straight up feels like work. You know, I mean, Other Identity... I talk about comics, which means that reading comics is part of work. Um, you know, it, it, it is the toughest thing, honestly, is is finding a way to fit in the hobbies and stuff that I'm not getting paid for. So, you know, if there's a show that's out that I want to binge, you know, it's difficult to find a place to put it. Or if there's a game that I want to play that doesn't really translate well to streaming or it's an older game that people don't really want to uh, watch me play like it's hard to find time for that like uh, you know I still haven't finished Pokemon Snap I streamed it once but now it's difficult to sort of put that in between stuff uh, but but otherwise it's difficult to complain uh, about work because uh, you know I love everything that I do I think probably the only downside to it is because a lot of it's considered fun stuff uh, that a lot of people think well you know you shouldn't complain basically about anything because you just get to do fun stuff but it's like you still need time mm, work, to be work able to fit still, all of that yeah, in there work is still work and yeah. it can still, still drag on you I mean I love what I do I, I'm, I'm not in the position where I'm, I'm paid for my multiple podcasts and all that and I, I love doing it I would love to be someday um, but there are times where even in the middle of a work day where I've got multiple podcasts going no matter how much I love it it's like this is work and so I have to find to make time for myself like right now I'm in the middle of Persona 5 Strikers. And that's something that I can only kind of carve out a few hours a week to kind of dive into, but it's like my quiet time. It's my- Yeah, I you know. I will also say too, that uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I'm not in like a producer sort of role. So I don't have to worry about the production side of things. Right. You know, I get to just sit, talk and somebody else gets to go through and, you know, lay it out in audacity or whatever and <laughs> figure all that stuff out. So I, I also get to skip out on all the actual work sort of stuff uh, in the, the schedule of making a podcast or a show. It sounds like you have the perfect position. Then. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel that really quick, just, just really quickly. No, 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 please, please, please. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was uh, talking about uh, to my mom the other day. She was like, sound like, like, don't, you know, be careful. The pandemic, don't be going out. Like, mom, I literally don't leave my house. Um, <laughs> Sundays uh, are literally the day that I, I binge watched all of Castlevania season four today. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't speak to a soul until I finished watching that. Then I got out of my couch, came upstairs, prep for this, right? Sunday nights, we pre-record. Mondays, I go to work. I get out of work. I, I edit everything out that, that we did. Uh, when do you get up for work? I got out of work at five. When do you uh, get up for work? Oh, 6.45. Every morning. Woo! Oof. 
Um, and Man, woo! I got to sleep till 1.30 today. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so then I edit Mondays, Tuesday, go to work, get out of work, get ready, air it, right? Air the, air, air, air the episode on, on Twitch. Uh, Wednesdays, I have my D&D campaign that I play in. Thursdays, oddly enough, I have off. Friday, we have produced pugs for the LSV. Uh, Saturdays, we do community streams for the LSV. Sunday is when I finally get to rest and then do this and then I repeat <laughs> all, over. all over again. So, so, so there's it. something to be said when you're passionate about it and, and, and you want to keep doing it, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, Robbie, you turned something that you loved, which started you know, from a very early thing, which is just an MMO and managed to turn it into a career. Um, and that's kind of the dream, right? Like that's the, what a lot of people want to go for. And mm-hmm. that's something that people seem to be doing during the pandemic is they are kind of realizing like, hey, how can I turn my hobby or the thing that I love into not only a passion project, but something that I can be paid for. And I, I really respect that. I think that that's, that that's a creative outlet that I think, think that pre-pandemic, a lot of people didn't think about. Well, I mean, I think that people are always trying to find a way to hustle, for sure. Sure, um, yeah. And, and there is a downside to, you know, turning something that you're passionate about into uh, a career as well. Uh, obviously, I never would have got to where I, you know, was now without uh, uh, a lot of the people, you know, early on. Uh, obviously, you know, Nate Bender, who was a Nero for, for Limit Break Radio, uh, was the bridge to everything that I do. Had I never met him, who knows where I would be right now. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, Chris, who played Juxtaposition, you know, as well. And then obviously, oh, you know, uh, now with, with, with Norris and, uh, you know, Callie, uh, you know, who are along for the ride as well. Um, but I mean, even near the end of Limit Break Radio, as Checkpoint XP was just starting to launch, you know, we were still, you know, trucking along with the MMO podcast because that was the bread and butter for a while. But I had gotten to a point where I just played so much of the game and talked about it so much that I started to have a real hate-hate relationship with it. Right. Um so, you know, who knows what would have happened if I would have ended up, you know, quitting or stepping aside had checkpoint uh, not happened. Um, but you, you you definitely have to be careful and still be able to find a balance so that that way the stuff that you're passionate about stays something that you're passionate about, and not something that you're getting sick of. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, having been a hardcore MMO player from Final Fantasy XI to World of Warcraft, I was kind of curious. What elements do you take from like your MMO days that have translated into your time playing online shooters like Overwatch and Apex? Probably the biggest thing is just playing with people that you have fun with. You know, the times that I stuck with an MMO, whether it was Final Fantasy. Wait, or wait, wait, you were our Warcraft. puller in Final Fantasy XI. That's not a, that's not a happy job. That's like the worst job. That <laughs> that's you a go fun out job. That's, that, that's, that's, that's also something that no one nowadays, unless you played Final Fantasy XI, that's not a term that you have any idea. Like, 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 oh, like gosh, when it, when it comes yeah. down to it, there, there's the, 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 the Trinity. You have your healer, you have your damage, you have your tank. But in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy XI, you had a person who was just dedicated to running out and finding a monster and bringing it back. I mean, even the idea of oh, XP polar. don't yep. exist in, in <laughs> Yeah, I never thought about that. You're like that. bait! <laughs> but yeah. the reason that you stuck with it uh, being a puller uh, was because of the people that you were playing with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the times when I quit Final Fantasy or when I quit World of Warcraft was when I didn't have people that I enjoyed playing with. And likewise, the reason that I've stuck with Apex for so long and the reason that I left Overwatch was because it was hard to get six people together to play in Overwatch. So a lot of the times, you know, you'd end up getting into a situation where someone was throwing or someone was terrible. And you're like, all right, we've lost this. We have three, four minutes left on the clock and there's no way to win. So I just have to wallow in the loss now. Uh, But in something like Apex, you just need to find two people 
Uh, and even if you, you know, you're playing with one rando, usually that one rando being bad isn't going to be the difference between a win and a loss. And even if you do lose, that's it. Loss is over, you're on to the next one. Um, so obviously playing with people that you know, people that you trust, people that you have fun with and you can communicate with uh, is the biggest strength you can have in any sort of uh, cooperative game. Just play with us in Overwatch. We got you. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we carry. Not last, <laughs> yeah. um, not last night though. Last night we 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 was oh, not I... it was not pretty. I think right. we I think we went. Um, we did okay. We did okay. Yeah, we did pretty good. Sure. Yeah. Now now it's just a matter of figuring out where I would put time in between everything else. Yeah. Sure. So it sounds like uh, community and communication are two things that you value the most from both those MMO days and and from what we have. God, I can't even imagine what it would be like if we had better voice integration in Final Fantasy XI when we played. Did well, you guys what, use uh, what was it? Team speak and Ventura yeah. wasn't doing it for you? No, we, we 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 had that, but that was like a little bit later on. I remember when we first started, like that wasn't even a thing. We were all trying to communicate in chat, and it was just a, a hot mess. Matt, mm -hmm. When you boys were, what year was that? What year was that for y'all? Two thousand four, I think, is Ooh. when Final Fantasy Eleven came out in the states. But yep. it it wasn't until two thousand six or seven, I think, that, that we were in the in same game. Show. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I picked it up day one with the PS uh, PS two. Jesus Christ, uh, the PS two hard drive <laughs> and modem, mm -hmm. and that's how I played it. Was through the PS two until I finally got the PC version. You guys go back to two thousand six. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Somewhere yeah. around there, yeah. Damn. Uh, when, when I made the decision to jump from just doing, uh, I was running a clan in Final Fantasy, and we were kind of a very open-ended clan. We kind of accepted everybody. We were actually, uh, there's an article that used to exist somewhere online where Square Enix said that we were the, at the time, the largest link shell in all of Final Fantasy XI. Um, so much that that's how they figured out where the, the cap was for how many people could be in the chat at a time. Because uh, this was before endgame stuff. And so there was actually a queue to get into our link shell at one point because there was like so many people that were actively on at one time. Um, but then I made the transition over from just doing my casual guild stuff to I wanted to start doing endgame uh, because I played a dragoon and loved pretty armor. And so uh, to do that, I had to join an, an endgame group. And so that's when I went to Open Door and that's where I met Robbie. And yeah, that's where I kind of got that momentum. And yeah, that would have been probably... 2006 2007 when i started getting into end games so yeah it was a it was a weird wild west time like trying to explain to somebody that's never played final fantasy 11 what it's like to die to a trash mob and then have lose the level that you just earned like most people would just quit right there in fact a lot of people did quit right there <laughs> um but yeah we were just kind of all in it together we were kind of all masochists and we're like yeah we're fine if we level down we'll just get it back definitely. well at the time before wow there there we didn't know any better either mm -hmm. so yep we were just in it because final fantasy was on it and we wanted to play it i i was doing guild wars one at that time um i actually played uh, guild wars one competitively i was the number 12th i was the 12th ranked monk in the in, in the world at the time wow Rune of, Rune of Major Noob. Uh, that was me. Yeah, I, I attempted other MMOs prior to Final Fantasy XI, and I couldn't do it. Uh, my friends tried to get me to play Ultima Online, didn't like it. Some friends tried to get me into EverQuest, was not fun. Uh, but when I heard there was a Final Fantasy XI MMO around the corner and that you could play a Dragoon, I was like, that's what I'm doing. Like, that's all I care about. That's what we're doing. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, there's a lot of memories, so many friends that I made out of that. It was such a, a big, important life experience uh, to go in and play Final Fantasy XI. And I don't know if I would ever go back and do it, but man, like the time that we did have was, was really good. So let's go over to Overwatch 
just for a second here. Um, mm -hmm. We know that the June Joust is right around the corner, and we know what the out-of-rotation heroes are going to be. We know they're going to be Tracer, Sombra, Reinhardt, and Zenyatta. So let's get into the Outlaw's mindset here. Do you think that these heroes being out of the pool will be a hindrance to the Outlaw's current momentum? Man, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you basically took away Dante's two top picks, and the fact that Ryan's out, I don't know that we'll see a whole lot of May either. So uh, apparently, according to Twitter, he has another one trick he can he can bust out. <laughs> uh, you know, I know that Dante is a highly mechanical hero. Uh, obviously, you know, all the hit scans are still in there uh, uh, for Happy as well. Uh, we don't get to see any of the amazing Jangu fatty shatties either. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm not I'm really I'm not sure. Uh, but I do think that the Outlaws are in a better position than they've ever been when it comes to the coaching and the communication that happens so depending on what they have up their sleeves it could be a little bit of a boon to them because at least you know when the june mm -hmm. joust first starts no one's gonna know what to expect out of the outlaws sure. um uh, I think that that in the past, one of the biggest strengths of the Outlaws has been their ability to sort of just play in the moment. Um, uh, it still remains to be seen if that's something that, you know, with the newer uh, uh, rookies that they brought in, if that's something that, you know, they can still rely on or not. Um, so uh, I don't necessarily want to say that they will remain as dominant as they were, but uh, I'm also confident that they're not going to come out and just be completely lost. Uh, you know, without being able to put uh, uh, Dante on the Tracer or the Sombra. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what uh, Harsha Junk and uh, Jake have in store with the team. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just curious, Tuna Noob, who wants yeah. to jump in here? Well, yeah, so you, uh, yeah, I'm assuming you saw Dante's tweets where he says, no Ryan means no May from me. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, I'm assuming Echo is that third character he's That's very playing. possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see an Echo think, pick. I think it's going to be a lot of echo from Dante, which is Hey, maybe exciting. we'll see some more Torb too. Who knows? Do you think that we might see a little bit more of that diva going on though? Diva just got the little buff, which I, Bindi, you said it was not a huge deal, but I think <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, you guys yeah. are still forgetting that Piggy is in the lineup, and Piggy is insane on Sigma. He's insane on on Zarya and on Diva. Like, I think Piggy is the MVP of the season for or for this uh, for the June Joust. I think coming through, especially well, according to IBM Watson, he's he's <laughs> the only one in the top like ten right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's also only because they haven't been playing. Once everyone gets back in the rotation, I think you'll start to see the Outlaws rise back up to the right. top. I agree. Because totally. before the end of the May melee. Uh, both Jango and Piggy were at the top. I'm pretty sure Happy was up in there as well. Yep. Yeah. So no, I, I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, I, probably see a lot of double bubble, uh, Winston Zarya, uh, or um, you know definitely see a lot of Sigma in there too. But I think I think we'll be okay. That team was pretty well rounded. Um, and I mean we show versatility and all with well, all kinds of at, heroes. At the very least, we're not going to be a Boston uprising, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean we we have been there before. But not anymore. So, not anymore. Those days are over. Those days are over. <laughs> Dante's confidence has me excited. Yes. Good. Good. Very. So on Twitter, Robbie, when the question was asked, what MCU character has your energy? Um, that question was making the rounds on Twitter. You answered Rocket Raccoon. So I absolutely have to know, what is it about that scrappy underdog of the Guardians of the Galaxy that draws you to him? Yeah, he's not even, I wouldn't even really say that he's like a favorite character of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, when it comes to, again, the the, the type of energy uh, 
whether it's the the sarcasm or the sometime you know being pessimistic uh i don't know i just i just think that you know i was gonna come on and try to be like oh yeah i'm a tony stark guys like i you know see and i've had that argument like i've had the same conversation with friends and like what do you think i'm like honestly i would love to be a tony stark but i'm probably star lord yeah and i mean and i mean that <laughs> in like the worst way possible like that's probably where i am in this yeah that was just me being a little bit more realistic about <laughs> my you know position my you know character wise i i probably wouldn't be the leading man as much as i'd like to think so sure uh you know well some people may may say that that's where i could fall you know thanks for the confidence boost but <laughs> no i'm probably somewhere in the middle so here's my loaded question for the show now that we're talking about the mcu because i want to know as an avid comic book reader do you think that fan theories hurt or help shows like WandaVision or like upcoming movies? Mm, uh, I think it can honestly fall on either side. I think that fan theories can be fun when people don't get too serious about them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every time that anything even remotely X-Men related happens and people, you know, start getting all like, oh my God, this is where they're bringing the X-Men in. Like, slow slow down a minute. Or, <laughs> anything Snyderverse related is, mm -hmm. you know, where, where the toxic side of culture really comes out. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, when it comes to fan or uh, fandom, it's really a grab bag. You know, sometimes it can be good. Sometimes it can be terrible. It just depends on which side of the toxic spectrum you fall on. That's so true because it was one of those things that I remember was I was watching WandaVision. Um, I would, you know, I, I, I keep a, a TV in my kitchen so that I can watch cooking shows while I, while I cook. And sometimes I just turn on YouTube and I'll be like, hey, what random MCU videos are YouTubers doing? And all during WandaVision, it was this barrage of just like, here's our theories of all the things going on in WandaVision. I'm like, you know, you're you're probably wrong about all that, right? Yeah. Like, I appreciate well, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is Feige has said that, you know, they obviously monitor, you know, some of the, the, the ones that are really big and really gain traction. And um they have in the past changed things when it's been applicable, you know, when, when time permits and, and isn't going to, you know, cause big uproar. But, you know, if there are people who are really sort of onto it, they will change things last minute if they need to, just so that, you know, people basically haven't, uh, uh, you know, in a mass general sort of uh, way, guessed what the ending of something is or isn't. Right. And I think that one of the things you said earlier about uh, that Snyder wow. level of toxicity, that's what makes the difference between, um, really great fandoms, like people really coming together and rallying behind WandaVision uh, versus people that kind of come out and they start just barking out theories of like, this is what it has to be because it was in the comics. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the kind of culture I want to stay away from. I've, I've actually been at Marvel movies with friends who have A, never read a comic and only seen the movies and B, have only really really read the comics most of their lives. And there, I get that general feeling, you know, when the avid comic reader and this isn't everybody starts saying like well it wasn't this way in the comics and like why are they changing this which thing? is the it's dumbest like... thing to say because there's 80 years worth of comics for some things right yeah. we yeah. we're at the point now especially with how many projects are being made that just in, in the same way that comics have you know the latitude to be able to change and redo whatever it is that they want you're not going to read a comic like you know you know like a uh, let's say if they wanted to reboot spider-man you're not mm -hmm. going to read the comic and be like that's not how it was in the comics because it's, it's it's a brand new story and yep. you know the movies and the shows have to be treated the exact same way so you know you're probably talking about the type of people that when ultron came out they were upset because they didn't introduce hank pym Him, because right. he was the one who created it well hank's not here and it makes sense for tony's story get yep. over it absolutely so you, you said there's people who just see the movies and haven't read the read the comics i yeah. i don't read the comics i i've only seen the movies mm -hmm. but i was reading up i can't believe vision had a threesome with captain marvel 
<laughs> Welcome uh, to the no, web the hard way. Um, yeah, there's there's so much of comics history that is just really bizarre that like they don't have to get into. Like everybody assumed like, oh, Vision's gonna be coming to the MCU back in the day. Like, where's Wonder Man? Wonder Man's gonna be here. Like that was a, a thing that happened. And I think that for better or worse, what's been really great about the Marvel Universe is somebody who grew up reading it. I grew up with a, a Infinity Gauntlet poster in my room um, when the original run happened. And I remember wanting to go into Infinity War and be like, I, I'm not gonna make any assumptions about this. I don't want it to be anything like the comics. It doesn't need to be. Maybe a couple of homages would be great, but like, I've already loved the MCU to this point. I would rather have a more accessible MCU than something convoluted that maybe somebody who's never read the comics or is being told, well, you have to read the comics to get into it is going to go into it. That that kind of gatekeeping has never set well with me, I guess. That me as, as I'm I'm that person that you just mentioned. I I mean I've I've read comics growing up. I you know I've so I was familiar with the MCU universe and the DC universe going into you know the the, the cinematic universe of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but not to the extent that maybe you two do. So when I watched the movies, I I mean, I just loved them for what they were, right? I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. So, you know, when people are like, oh, well, they messed this up or they got this wrong. I'm like, let me just enjoy it, man. Like, I don't know any of that. You know, same thing with, uh, you know, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? I thought it was a great, great series. You know, people were upset with the way that they did... Um, uh, Secret Service agent guy that came in that was the new Captain America mm-hmm. um, and I, Robbie I remember he did so well he, yeah. US agent was amazing John Walker US agent the there we go the, the actor the actor killed it for sure and the fact that so many people hated him like you know that he's doing his job correctly right like, exactly that's, like people that's... that are yeah I mean you, you think of actors like that right for example Joffrey mm. from Game of Thrones he did his job so well you, you, you hate him when you see him. He, like, like quit acting. Rams, yeah, same thing with, with the guy that played, uh, was it Rav, was it Ramsey? Ramsey Bolton, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, they're doing their job, people. Like, don't, don't, don't hate them as people. Like, they're acting. That's their job. Like, you should be thanking them for putting on a brilliant performance like that. Yeah. So. I mean, at this point, we should all just accept that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is its own thing because it is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the moment that hit home the hardest for me was as somebody who grew up in, on, in the Infinity Gauntlet series was one of my favorite comics growing up, obviously. Um, but I always, in my my logical mind, said, I love Thanos, but I'll never see him on screen. He's just not a character that, like, when you say Marvel supervillains, you think Thanos, you think Doctor Doom, you think Ultron, oh, man. you think no. Galactus. After, look, after like, after James Gunn came onto the scene, like all 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 gloves are off, right? Mm-hmm. The moment that he was able to put a talking raccoon <laughs> and a talking tree on screen, and then he goes over to DC and he manages to put Starro the Destroyer <laughs> into the Suicide oh Squad. Like yes. nothing is off limits at this point. Anything can work. Could, could you imagine him walking into the boardroom of DC and they're just like, James Gunn, you can have anything in the DC universe. What do you want? And he goes, that's literally, I, I that, that's actually, and that, King that's Shark. literally what they told him. They actually floated to him uh, that that if he wanted to, he could. They wanted him to do a Superman project, but they said, really? they said whatever you want, any DC property, hands down, you pick. And he said it came down to either doing a Superman movie or doing a Suicide Squad movie. He went with Suicide Squad, and on top of that. 
Uh, there've been lots of questions, you know, following the whole Snyderverse uh, thing where people have been like, you know, we're gonna be able to see a James, you know, a gun cut afterwards. And he's like, there's no need for that because the studio let me do everything that I want. They told him you can have any character you want and you can kill off anybody that you want. There were no rules for him, according to what James Gunn has said. And what he wanted was a shark and a starfish. Yep. <laughs> Those were his demands. And Dude, that's kind man. of awesome, though. Yep. That is cool. Yeah. I, hey, that's but let's, awesome to hear. Let's be real. Let's give the people what they want. Let's give Nicholas K. Superman that was supposed to happen, but got scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we don't go that far. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I know that all of us are Outlaws fans in the room, but I am curious who are your contenders for the five, uh, the top five strongest teams in the league? You get no AI help, just your gut feeling after watching all the games this season. Who are your top five? What's really great about this season is I think that the parity within the league is has as as great as it's ever been. You know, normally you have the bottom of the barrel, you have the guys in the middle, and then you have the few people at top. Uh, and obviously we still have the bottom of the barrel. That'll always be there. Uh, but I like how this year the middle to the stop is starting to or to the top is starting to mesh a little mm -hmm. bit more. Um, I think that the outlaws have a great chance, obviously. Um, you cannot discount the shock. They are two-time world champions for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, Dallas, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't want to undercut what they've done so far because, you know, I thought going into the main melee that, you know, they, they were underestimated by both the shock and the outlaws and they rode that momentum. You know, I thought mm -hmm. especially the, the Eastern teams or the Asian teams, you know, once they had got a little bit of tape to watch, that they'd be able to shut it down real quick. Uh, but they didn't, it was all still very, very close. And now of course they have Pine coming in uh, to fill their hit scan slot. So uh, I do think that, that both our Texas teams uh, are, are possible contenders this year. Um, I know that there's a lot of good talent on the Gladiators, though they, they seem to be struggling to, to reach that sort of top, uh, you know, echelon. They've gone up against, you know, a, a lot of really good teams so far though, so we'll see. Uh, and the Justice too are, are looking really, really good. There's just, it's, it's hard to narrow it down to just five because everyone is looking really, really good this year, except for the people that aren't. That is very true. Uh, Noob, do you have five off the top of your head? Uh, Dallas, Houston, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Shanghai, Florida, um, and uh, I guess my fifth one. I want to. I want to add a wild card here. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's difficult. You literally just throw some right. darts, and, and whoever you land on is it like is looking pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm 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 gonna. I'm, this is this is my wild card. This is my dark horse. A lot of people mm -hmm. are falling are already kind of discredited or saying uh, gladiators they're 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 not as good as they, they were meant to be. I think they're gonna level up. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna slowly get better and better. Um, since they're kind of a mismatch of different players from across the league, um, I think they're going to get better. I think it's well, a and, and again, Dallas has proven too, you know, because they were kind of, you know, at the the top of sort of the middle, and you know, just mm -hmm. taking one of the the tournaments, you know, being in the middle is going to then put you in a place to potentially have, you know, a decent comeback. So as long as you didn't go like, you know. 0 and 3 or 0 and 4 in May, I think there's a really good chance so long as you're not, you know, bottom of the barrel that you right. could potentially turn it around at some point. Absolutely. Tuna, what about you? I'm really curious. One team, yeah, yeah. Uh, one team we haven't mentioned yet is Soul Dynasty. Um, they all, they, I mean, I think they, they put up one of the, the best fights in the grand finals as a losing team has ever put up. So, um, and I love, I love Profit and Gesture so yeah soul dynasty uh i would like to see them top five um justice mayhem 
Dallas, Houston. Yeah. Okay. Those are all solid. We'll picks. see. I, I think like what Robbie was saying, I mean, it's you could maybe pick out three that you're like, I, I, I can see them being at the top, but then everything else in between, like week to week, we just see such drastic changes in the league. Yeah. So before we wrap up the show, we have a little segment here called Would You Rather? So I'm going to go ahead and turn this segment over to Noob. All righty, Robbie. I don't know if you've seen previous episodes of the Yellow's Outpost, but here we like to play a little game called Would You Rather? Uh, these are some curated questions specifically for you, our guest, uh, in which, you know, I will ask you a question and you have to get to answer. Would you rather do A or B? Uh, now, as our guest, you do get to pick whether you would like to answer first, second, third, or last. Um, so... Let's I start with go that. first. <laughs> all of our guests go first. Yes, Every good. single one of our guests has gone first. They all awesome. step up to the plate. I love it. I mean, it's a great selections. Okay, cool. So let's let's uh, you know, as we mentioned before, you uh, are a tabletop guy. You love playing Dungeons and Dragons, as do I. I have all of my beautiful dice here. I also have my frost giant right there. Um, do you uh, do you have any any gemstone dice yet? I do not have any gemstone dice yet. I, oh, they, just, they, I they are worth it. The ones that I got were eighty bucks a pop, uh, and you probably can't you know see very well on the on the camera here. But man, they are. Yeah, I the the closest I have to them are my uh, sorry le, sorry let's let kick out here for a little bit are my uh, white stone dice that uh, mm -hmm. from the uh, critical role campaign. Uh, oh, campaign I'm pretty sure one. those are those are those are gemstone. Oh, are they? Okay, yes, I got, I got my white stone dice. I love them. They're they're beautiful. Uh, but okay, all right. So I know for me this is a tough question. So. Would you rather play D&D &D for the rest of your days as a player or as a DM? Probably as the DM. I like, uh, again, being the one that's in control. And there are so many DMs uh, that it's difficult to sometimes stay in the game. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Um, I know, or you know what, I'll, uh, Bindi, I'll let you go next. For me, hands down, I've always been a DM. Uh, since my first days of picking up a Dungeon Master's Guide to running a vampire LARP for 10 years, um, it's just one of those things that's always appealed to me. I love being a player. I have a great time in the campaigns that I'm in, um, but I just love the idea of crafting worlds, crafting stories, um, and reacting to players. That's my favorite thing, is just getting together with a bunch of your friends and just watching what the heck they're gonna do. I've never been one of those DMs that uh, likes hardcore scripted campaigns uh, for myself. Uh, for other people, that's great. Uh, but when I run a campaign, it's a little bit more loose, a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more, you know, let's react to what the players are doing. And I think I have more fun with that because I almost feel like I get to be a player as a DM. Okay. Uh, Tuna, I've, I don't think you've ever played D&D, &D, have you? <laughs> oh, you're muted. <laughs> Tuna, you're muted. I've never played D&D, &D, so... <laughs> Well, we got to change that, buddy. We got to change that. Well, you got to start him as a player, at least. That's what everyone keeps saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, personally, I I don't know. Um, I've, I've thought about it. Even since I worked on this question, I, I, I said, you know what? I would love to be a player. And then uh, I keep going back to you. But, you know, I have my campaign that I'm running. Um, this and, is an excellent campaign. And, yeah, you know, you played, you played in it, um, James. And so it's just one of those things where I think I would have to settle... Uh, on, on, on uh, as a player, mainly because of the fact that I know that my schedule is so tied up that I would hate for my campaign to ever be uh, watered down content, and I potentially let my players down. You know, because I think that's one of the biggest fears as a DM is are my players having fun, right? Um, so I think 
if I could, if I had to focus, I would go stay, stay with a player so that I don't have to stress uh, on whether my player's having fun or not. So I think I'd go with that. But, okay, great. Great responses from everybody. Um, alrighty, and next up we have Robbie. Would you rather be a hero in the Final Fantasy universe, since you've played a lot of that since the beginning of your uh, beginning of your uh, gaming um, life, or would you rather live in the X Men slash Marvel universe? Am I just me in the X Men Marvel universe? I'm just Let's a say person? you'd be okay. I'd say you would be a hero in one of them. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go with uh, being a hero in the Marvel X-Men universe. Uh, tragedy tends to follow Final Fantasy uh, <laughs> characters everywhere that they go. Have you read X-Men, my dude? Uh, <laughs> look, if you were an X-Men specifically, sure, but it was just said a hero in the Marvel world, yes, uh, in, in which case, you know, you know, just look at someone like Jessica Jones, who just managed to have a normal career. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd pick the Marvel universe. Okay. James? I would go to Tuna for. I gotta think about this. Okay, Tuna. This is gonna take me a second. Well, let's replace Final Fantasy universe because that's not relevant to me. With oh. Overwatch. Fine, sure. Overwatch, sure. Because I've never played Final Fantasy. Sure, sure, makes sense. Uh, I'd rather be in Overwatch. I'd rather be an Overwatch hero. Easy. Okay, you know what? Actually, that's a little too easy. I'm gonna change this one to you. Would you yes, rather okay. be a Spartan in the Halo universe, or would you rather be uh, someone from the cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe? That's MCU, the... yeah, MCU. Yeah, remember Spartans. Marvel's never... like this. Yeah, I know they're just missing an action. I, yeah, yeah, but they exactly. all died. They all actually died. I'm, I'm a big. Uh, Robbie, um... do you like Halo? I do not. Okay, okay. Well, this, this wraps up this interview, everybody. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like you like Mass Effect a lot. So I, I think I think for me it's it's a difficult proposition because I grew up so heavily playing uh, the Final Fantasy games and uh, reading the Marvel uh, the Marvel universe as a whole. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to become a dragoon in Final Fantasy XI and then when I went to Final Fantasy XIV was because I grew up with those stories of these you know heroic nobles with lances and it was so important to me that I wanted to to play that character. I specifically joined a server in which there was a, a role play group there so that we could role play our characters. Um, that being said, it's really hard to turn down being in the MCU. <laughs> like, or just, just being in Marvel is, is a general thing. If, as long as the, if, if the promise is even right, you get to be like the Final Fantasy class you want to be. So I would be a dragoon and just be a hero in the Marvel universe. I would love to be a hero in the Marvel universe just because I think I could save more lives and do more good as a hero in the Marvel universe than I could as a dragoon. There's also a 100% chance in the MCU you have indoor plumbing. That is absolutely <laughs> true. No, that would be a true. villain. I would be a villain. And I also, I would also, I want to see like side stories from like the snap, like those five years. Like, yeah. I wanted to see more of that. Lore. That is true. I would like to. See We're gonna some get more there. We're gonna get there. I think. I would love to see like side story, like civilians during the snap. Like I love that. I love that. So finally, to make sure that I hit my quota on outlaws-related questions this episode, I know that we all took. Wait, hold on. Before we get into this, noob, you didn't answer, and I'm very angry that you didn't. What? Answer. I didn't answer. Everybody, oh. just calm down. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody, calm, calm down. Here. down. Okay. All of a sudden, noob okay. just like out of the equation. Okay. Well, I'll say this. So sneak um, out the back. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I mean, I played my fair share of Final Fantasy growing up. Mm. I am not a fan of having to constantly die and then being revived, constantly dying and being revived. 
So I'm not going to go to the Final Fantasy route. <laughs> right, okay. because dying and coming back, that doesn't happen in comics. Well, right, at all, at all. No resurrections Never. this time. Never. See, ignor Well, this is ignorance is bliss, the next right? Because that's, would... liter that's literally one of the main story points of the new X-Men, is if you die, they grow you it in is. an egg again. That is true. That's all <laughs> oh, sort of no. egg stuff. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, could, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind being like Ant-Man or something. He doesn't die, right? <laughs> I, I legit don't know. That's that's a legit question. I, I'm pretty I sure Scott Lang at some point or another has died. Yeah. Um, no. Ultimate Universe, Hank Pym got the crap beat out of him by Captain America for mm. beating up Janet. So I don't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that that absolutely could be something that happened. All right, MCU, that, that's exactly I'll, what we I'll have. Go, yeah, I'll go with MCU. All right, that works perfectly. So yeah, I want to hit my, my quote on Outlaws-related questions this episode. Um, I want to know that from you... I know that we all took the loss to Dallas really hard. Um, I, at least here at the LSV, we we took that and we're like, what the heck just happened? But I really am curious, what do you think the outlaws need to do to bounce back and really continue their dominance in the league? Because we've only lost the one game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting. In, in the moment, uh, yeah, I, I took it real hard as well um, because... <sighs> I don't want to say that we shouldn't have taken that L because, you know, I think that, 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 that after Dallas lost both to us and then to the shock, everyone just looked at it as like, all right, well, that's it. Dallas isn't a good team this year. But I mean, they took us all the way to that, you know, fabled, that faded map five. Like Dallas is still a good team. And on top of the fact that I think that week with that loss, uh, the outlaws definitely underestimated them. Seeing the fuel then go the distance in the main melee made me feel a lot better about that loss. That wasn't something that, that I think that they that, that we entirely just gave them. They definitely earned it. Um, but I think going forward, and this isn't just a lesson for the outlaws, this is a lesson for for any team that's going up uh, you know, against sort of a middle to top tier team. Stop underestimating people. You know, I know that it, that, that it's tough trying to, you know, study up for two teams in a single week, especially if you have a matchup like, oh, we're going up against the shock. And then you have, you know, a lesser tier team like the Atlanta Reign. Like, you know, we can probably take the Reign, so we need to focus on the Shock more. Teams need to find a way to make sure that they're that they're giving the respect to every team that they're going up against and really giving all these teams their dues. Uh, on top of that, uh, I think that one of the issues that, that Houston has had in the past seasons that, that seems to be an issue that they've taken care of, you know, this time around is that communication you know you see a lot of teams that once you know some some bad plays happen or once they are down a few maps that the communication between them just stops it just completely goes away and everyone anyone who's played a competitive game let alone overwatch knows that if you're not talking to your team you're dead in the water mm -hmm. uh so the communication needs to stay uh up uh, i know that you know having someone uh like jake you know a veteran in the lineup you know whenever we hear the comms he's always trying to keep them on point you know, make sure that they're staying in the game. And I think that uh, so long as they're respecting the teams that they're going up against, whether they're the Shock or, you know, they're a team like Boston and those communications are are staying up. Um, I think that even if we lose games, they should at least be a lot closer than what that Dallas game was. And I completely agree with you in that because I remember that when we uh, lost to Dallas, um, my first thought, and, and I actually said this at the table at the place we were saying, I was like, you know, I honestly hope Dallas goes all the way because I don't want Dallas beating us 
to be this like fluke and then they just bombed afterwards like i wanted them to have earned it and like really push that going forward and that was hard to say as a houston fan i know it hurt my heart but like no it's it a good was, point hey was, texas strong means all of texas right absolutely and if you lose to a team that gets just like destroyed it looks so bad mm-hmm. so i'll take the win where i can absolutely uh, new, what about you? What do you think the uh, the outlaws need to do to kind of bounce back and, and come back from this? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of made, made, made I mentioned it. We talked about it um, in the previous uh, episode where we did the weekend roundup. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think that I think this was a necessary loss. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you 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 know you just gotta get you gotta take one on the chin um, and just wake up from it and be like, oh right, we're not invincible. You know, we, we, we can lose. Right. Um, so it, I think it's, I think it, I think this is a great learning experience. Uh, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. So we just need to learn from it, grow from it. And I, I think I'm, I'm confident of our coaching staff. I'm confident with the things that cool Matt is doing behind closed doors, you know, making sure that the, that the guys, uh, are focused on winning and, and are buying into that winning mentality and culture, uh, which we know they're doing. I, I am, Fully confident that, that we we're going to 100% bounce back from this. Not even worried. Tune to final thoughts on uh, Outlaws bouncing back. I said it before. I'll say it again. Dante spent the week in the hospital when everyone else is scrimming or practicing. So he's had a lot of time to rest. And it came at the perfect time to have that rest. So we'll be fine. It doesn't even count as a loss. <laughs> I think we're totally fine. Dante was in the hospital. Okay. All right. And that's everything that we have time for in this week's episode of the Outlaws Outpost. Panel, it is plug time. Where can everybody find you online? Robbie, let's start with you. Uh, So, yeah, the main social media platform that I use is Twitter. That's Robbie underscore Landis CP. Uh, Obviously, I stream uh, almost weekly, uh, Tuesday through Saturday and then Monday. Uh, over on Checkpoint, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Robbie, Land- Robbie underscore Landis. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're checking out all of our podcasts, specifically the other identity on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is that you find it. We've actually had a big uh, boom in downloads recently, and I'd love to see that continue to climb. Uh, and actually, uh, uh, if you don't mind me uh, saying so, we have a little bit of a bet going on with our listeners. If we get 30 reviews before August, we currently have 10. Uh, I have to dress up as a superhero of the listeners choosing uh, to go to oh, work. Wow. There, there will be a, there will be a poll. Uh, currently, uh, Harley Quinn and Scarlet Witch are on that poll. Uh, and then we'll be coming up with two uh, male heroes as well to go on it as well. But only if we get another 20 reviews. Well, All right, we're going to get the entire LSV to do it LSV, at this point. LSV, you heard oh, it. Let's, shields up, baby. Let's go. Let's get those reviews in. We ride at dawn. <laughs> uh, Tuna, go ahead and go. Uh, I'm on Twitch as Tunavi. Uh, on Instagram, I post cool pics at Jake underscore the underscore Mooney. So, yeah. There right. I am. Go ahead, noob. Uh, and uh, you will finally... You know, even though I use Twitter the most, I, it's it's typically the LSV Twitter. So just keep an eye on the uh, LSV Twitter at LS Vanguard. Uh, every now and then, I do tweet from my uh, from my Twitter, which is at uh, Nubatron Prime. Uh, I m- mostly talk about just video games, outlaws, and D and D. That's that's all my content. Those are my three. So 
That's about it. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's been great getting to talk to you, not through a link shell or, or a team speaker. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on our show. We really do appreciate you carving out the time, especially with your busy schedule to come on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And if you want to send us your love for the outlaws to read on air, hit me up on Twitter at GNGGCast and check out our main show, Good Night and Good Game. It's a weekly nerd news roundup available on any podcast provider and Spotify. Until next time, heroes, good night and good game. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, y'all.